This is Retirement Roadmap Radio with Mark Fricks of Master Plan Retirement Consultants. Listen in as we address your retirement concerns and provide insight to help put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, Retirement Roadmap Radio. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Retirement Roadmap with Master Plan Retirement Consultants. Thank you for joining us. My name is Evan, and with me, as always, retirement planner and investment advisor, Mark Fricks. It's always troubling when a public figure passes away. Recent headlines of Matthew Perry's untimely passing have been circulating. Such events can give us pause to consider our own mortality and for us as retirement planners, our preparation for the unexpected. While Matthew Perry's estate planning details have not yet been revealed, there are many deceased celebrities whose estate planning, or lack thereof, has been highly publicized and criticized. In light of recent headlines, we wanted to examine some past examples of estate planning inadequacies to possibly help you consider your own legacy planning and estate planning needs. After all, we don't often hear of estate planning success. It's the failures <laughs> that are publicized. Um, so I'd like to start out, um, actually, Mark, you like to share this one um, in client meetings. I've heard you share it a few times. Attorney, politician, and principal founder of the Miami Dolphins, Joe Robbie, who died in 1990. Yeah, it, uh, a classic example of, of just total failure when it comes to estate planning. You would think people with $100 million in net worth would maybe hire somebody to help them <laughs> figure out their estate planning or whatever. But as uh, you may or may not know, Joe Robbie was the owner of the Miami Dolphins as well as the stadium, uh, estimated at his death worth $100 million. Um, did not have the proper planning, did not have uh, a trust in place that I'm aware of. If he did, it didn't work properly. Did not use other techniques because uh, he ended up paying out of $100 million, he ended up paying $47 million, or his estate did, in estate taxes. Well, most of his worth was tied up in the stadium and in the team. So how do you come up with money? You start selling stuff. So he liquidators, yep, had to start liquidating the team and all of that. And, and so, you know, something that they had built from the ground up, they were proud of, they had to get rid of to pay off the taxes. The team. The team and the stadium, both, mm. absolutely. Uh, now, rumor has it, and I've not been able to figure this out exactly, so I don't want this to be, you know, hey, gospel truth or whatever, but uh, there are uh, rumblings that that's what happened with the Atlanta Falcons as well. You know, the original owner of the Atlanta Falcons, um, Rankin Smith, uh, passed away. His kids inherited the team, but within a few years they had to sell it. Um, their, their news is that, hey, they got a price they couldn't resist. Word, the scuttlebutt uh, on the street, so to speak, is that, again, they needed liquidity to pay estate taxes. So it's, it's a big problem. Now, I know a lot of people listening are like, well, I don't have $50 million. I don't have $100 million. We've got exa examples of people with half a million or whatever that have messed up things and have not done it correctly as well. So this is stories about people you've heard about. This is stories about... Uh, um, you know, the bigger examples, but like you said earlier, we don't hear about the ones done right. We also don't hear about the small stories either. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to maybe share a little bit of that with you as well. Yeah. Uh, so this past October, we actually held a client event. Uh, we are Atlanta natives and um, the Oakland, historic Oakland Cemetery is 
filled with uh, famous folks, historical figures who have done great things for the city of Atlanta. Um, we took clients there. We went on a tour of the cemetery, um, had a little get-together af afterwards. A little was, food and wine. Yeah, yes, it was great, very nice. <laughs> great time. We love that opportunity to, to hang out and get to know our clients better and also for them to get to know each other as well. Um, on the tour, there was one grave that uh, sparked particular interest of from us as retirement planners as well, and that would be country music star Kenny Rogers. He passed away March 20th, uh, 2020 at 81 years old. However, he wasn't laid to rest until two years after um, due to the settling of his estate. Now, the details were not fully disclosed as to why that was the case um, from the tour guide himself, but two years before you're before you're actually put in the grave, that sounds like that might have been an estate planning issue. It's a long time to stay in a refrigerator somewhere. It really is. Not Truly. being disrespectful, just yeah. saying. I mean, it's and it probably was. It, it might have been about money, but it's also about who makes who was supposed to make the right decisions, uh, where to be buried. You know what uh, what what the monument looks like. It could be. It could have been anything. And I imagine we'll hear more about it as time goes on. But yeah, that's that's kind of sad not to be able to to be laid to rest for two years waiting on things to be worked out when very, you know, even a simple uh, trust would have, could have spelled out what he, his wishes were and things like that. And so, now it wasn't expected. He died from COVID is what I understand. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but, you know, you, you want to be prepared. I mean, sure. you know, Prince passed away at a fairly young age and was unexpected. And that happens a lot. Again, Matthew Perry was, was not that old. And so, you know, you, you, and we've had instances with our clients that uh, a husband has passed away. We've had two in the last uh, year that were in their early 50s that passed mm -hmm. away. And so you, you, I know it's, sometimes it'd be tough to talk about it, as you know, and we start thinking about our mortality, but it, it's coming to us, you know, and whether it be sooner or later, and I hope everybody listening has a good, fruitful, long life, but be prepared. Don't leave people with a problem. Don't leave people with uh, uh, less money, more money coming out of the estate. Plan well, like we say, plan well and prosper. Mm -hmm. Also plan well and take a lot of the problems out of the situation for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't want to speculate too much uh, of the unknowns of Kenny Rogers' specific estate issues, or maybe wasn't even an estate issue because we know that uh, Oakland Cemetery has a very long waiting list um, to have a plot, and then also people who currently own plots in their family may sell them to the right person, uh, depending on, on who it is. So it, it could have been simply that, um, but we also know he was married multiple times. Um, we do know that as far as estate planning documents are concerned, they're not updated frequently, especially with new marriages. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen as frequently as it should have. So these are all things to consider um, when you think about your own situation as well. Um, I want to stay in the musical sphere for a second. <laughs> um, Mr. Elvis Presley, uh, perhaps one of the most notorious examples of a poorly planned estate of his $10 million estate, which would be equivalent to over $50 million today. About 73% was lost in the probate process in estate taxes and settlement costs, which is just crazy to think about. His case illustrates basically why a trust is often the best way to protect an estate. Right. And, and uh, again, a lot of examples and, and uh, you know, one that comes to my mind that I think just astounds me is Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Warren Berger. Mm -hmm. He had a, a one and a half page will, 176 words, um, and basically did not give the proper power to the executives uh, or executors of the of the uh, will, um, 1.8 million was his estate. He paid almost half a million dollars, or his estate did, to taxes and probate costs. 
Evan, he's an attorney. Yeah. Okay. Now, maybe this is an example of make sure you use an estate planning attorney as opposed to whatever he was, including a chief justice. But it just it blows my mind that somebody with that legal mind would would basically sit and probably type it up himself. Um, and, and again, just give, not give the right powers. And, and so I do have people come to us and say, well, I have an attorney. And I'll say, that, that's great. Um, tell me about them. And it's okay. They, they do general practice or whatever. And I'm like, you know, be careful because a general practitioner, a practi- practicing attorney, whatever you call it, is um, I mean, this fine, but when they do a will, it's typ- uh, typically a template. And it's something they type in a few extra words here and there. If that's not you and you're an attorney, I apologize, but I see that a lot. And so we do encourage, and as part of our team, of course, we have uh, several attorneys that are estate planning attorneys. Mm -hmm. They understand the extra language needed. Um, You know, and typically, uh, many times we recommend a trust because of more control, less taxes, no probate, things like that. And I had uh, recently, uh, it's been about three years ago now, you know, most of the trust our attorneys do are anywhere from 60 to 100 pages long because it's not just the verbiage and all the different language, but it's also what ifs. You know, what, what if this changes or this law changes or this amount changes? And so there's a lot of what ifs. I came across a trust a couple of years ago. It was literally four pages. And I, I, I don't think I've seen a will that short. And I'm like, how can this have anything in it that does any good? They'd gone to some kind of a seminar and the person was selling trust. And I don't know what he charged for, 700, 800, 1,000 or whatever. Uh, they certainly didn't get what they paid for. Yeah. So a lot of stories like that. The 73% loss to probate and estate and settlement costs, that just blows my mm-hmm. mind when you consider how simple it is to avoid probate. And here's another thing. I have a note to mention it later, but we might as well mention it now. When your assets go through probate, they're no longer, and that's typically with a will, a will always goes through probate. Um, it, it's basically up to the judge's interpretation of your will to determine where things go. That's exactly correct. Yep. Yeah, uh, one quick story. So I had somebody that uh, had a will only, and the probate judge got a hold of the will, and they were going through it, and, and basically it said, I want this bucket of money, whatever it was, $100,000, I want this to be spent for my family, my extended family, kids and grandkids to go on a cruise in my memory. And the judge took a look at that and he said, I'm not gonna ride shotgun over that. Um, each of you get a share of that 100,000. If you wanna go, you go. If you don't wanna go, if you wanna spend it here, if you, whatever. And I'm just like, that was not the man's wishes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so again, it's, it is, that's a great point. It, it is up to the judge. Or it could be something as simple as, as uh, missing a signature or, or having some incorrect language. The judge can kick the whole will out and just uh, uh, assign a court representative, and now you got somebody, a stranger, deciding what happens to your stuff and, and where it goes. And by the way, it doesn't automatically go to a spouse. It doesn't automatically go to family. There's a whole tree of people it can go to. Dying without a will is called dying intestate uh, or intestate. Um, they leave it to what's called heirs at law. And it's this whole kind of a tree uh, each state could be a little bit different, but they leave so much to, you know, they go up the tree, then down the tree, and, and out the tree, and nephews and nieces, and everybody gets a piece. Same thing can happen if they kick a will out because of, inc- of, of mistakes in it, missed signatures. Some states require every page to be initialed. You just have to be careful with that. So it's just, again, so many stories about that. Well, we've talked about Elvis's estate going through probate and the costs associated with that, but also 
an estate plan must focus on estate taxes uh, to not only minimize them, of course, hello, please, um, but to avoid untimely liquidation of assets because that's also a domino effect. If you um, inherit an asset that has to be liquidated, what if it's in the stock market and the market is down and you're liquidating at a loss? What if it's in an IRA yeah, and there's even extra taxes coming out of that for the yeah. distribution? And you see how these just compound and snowball into a, a huge loss. Um, and you don't really know what you're going to end up with at that point. Exactly. And that's, again, that goes back to liquidity and what's available to pay those estate taxes. And like you said, a great point, if it's, uh, you know, most people's assets, probably between 50 and 75% of their assets are in an IRA. So if the estate has to take money out of the IRA to pay estate taxes, there's another 25 to 35% taxes on that. So now if estate taxes are 50%, and you got that's 80% of the estate of that part of it gone to the government, uh, gone to the IRS. And so it's, uh, again, the plan, it's, it's so many different pieces that come together, like everything we do, that have to be considered. Uh, one side note for Elvis, uh, apparently he may have won the last laugh because he has, in fact, earned far more money dead than I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate, but that's the yeah, truth. You know? um, I do want to take a moment, real quick, folks, um, to remind you to check out our website, masterplanretire.com. You can find links to these episodes, to our radio show and podcast, multiple retirement resources, but perhaps the most important is an opportunity to go to Mark's calendar and schedule your initial consultation completely complimentary. We'll run retirement planning uh, reports for you, give you a 10,000 foot view of your own retirement. So check us out, masterplanretired.com. Phone number 770-980-9262. Um, the fifth one I'd like to discuss is uh, Michael Crichton, hmm. a famous author passed in 2008 from cancer. He left a child out of his will. He died unexpectedly while his fifth wife had a child in utero. Um, he did not update his estate documents to include the new child, um, which is not uncommon. I mean, but these things should be updated as soon as a significant life change begins. That means not only during pregnancy, but also when legal action commences, such as a divorce. He was also married five times, so I don't know how how old his documents actually were, but yeah, a child was left out of that. Yeah, yeah. we, we just simply you know, include language, any additional children of this marriage, mm -hmm. and that way they're automatically included. That's kind of a weird will not, to not add that language. Uh, so again, I, we have a whole wall of these stories. You know, so if you come see us, we'll show you. So there's, we're not covering nearly all of them, but it's just, just it's very, um, uh, it's just, it's sad to me. It really is. Yeah, so these stories are a stark reminder to get our own estates in order, right? It seems even stranger when you consider how huge some of these famous estates are, and yet they are incomplete plans. Um, so if celebrities and multimillionaires aren't even giving the adequate attention to their estate, what about the average American? Why do you think, Mark, something as vital as legacy and estate planning is so often overlooked? I think it's because, again, uh, first of all, we get busy. Life gets busy. Um, usually what we see when somebody wants to do estate planning is usually a trigger. Uh, we're traveling, uh, we had a new baby, a new grandbaby, things like that. We trigger it because it's part of our planning process. Everybody that comes through our office, we include estate planning unless they just say we're good or whatever and we still want to review the documents. Um, so I think, and, and, and again, I think the mortality, thinking about what if I'm incapacitated, I don't want to think about you know having Alzheimer's, I don't want to think about being in a car wreck things like that I'm sure have an effect too. But again, the problems you leave behind are so much greater than you being a little hesitant to think about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So 
I do want to mention a couple of things, um, and, and I know you've got some other good stuff here, but um, I'm, I'm sure people are going, well, what do you do about all this? Well, first of all, again, make sure your, your documents are updated and reviewed every few years. Laws change too, by the way. But on some of these bigger cases, which may include you because you may be surprised at what the death tax is and what it's going to be in the coming years. So right now, it's not a big problem for most people. It's 11 point something million per person. So if you're a couple, and if you have the proper documents to capture it, you actually have 22 million exempted from death taxes. So your first 22 million. That changes at the end of 2025. The Trump tax cuts expire. It goes back to 5.4 per person. Now, again, if you don't capture them both, you only end up with 5.4. There is talk in Washington and in committee about changing that 5.4 back to 2 to 3 million. Now, you start thinking about it. If you don't capture it, 2 to 3 million, that doesn't go a long way. I mean, uh, you know, you have people that have a hundred, you know, a million dollars in an IRA. You've got a house worth a million with the way prices have gone up lately. Maybe there's a life insurance policy over here. It doesn't take long to get to two or three million dollars. And then it's going to be 50% tax on that in most cases. So if you've got a five million dollar estate, you're talking again about two to three million subject to a 50% tax. Where's your liquidity? Like Evan mentioned, is it in an IRA? Is it in a house? You're going to have to sell a business to come up with it, a, a farm or whatever. So don't think that, hey, these are, these are very rich people, 50 million, 100 million, I don't have to worry about it. You may be closer than you think. I'd say probably 20 to 25% of our clients will have a problem yeah. if the law changes even some. Uh, so out there, I don't know the percentage, but at least meet with us and let's find out, you know, is there a potential problem in the future? Yeah. So expressed in some of these cases, and so often is the case, poor estate plans create problems for your heirs, obviously. We've talked about that, whether they're left with a tax problem or just simply can't access assets to pay for a tax problem. One of the saddest results um, that I've seen firsthand, I know you have as well, is the disharmony among family members mm. after you're gone. Um, the more I see, the more I understand what a gift of a proper estate plan is for your family outside of whatever material inheritance may exist. Absolutely. And, that, and people that come to see us, they say, that's what we want. We want to make sure maybe they've experienced it from their parents or uncle or Many aunt. Many people have. Yeah. And so they're like, I don't want to leave that kind of mess. I want to make sure it's all lined up. They may even bring their children. And, and by the way, their children are 30, 40, and 50 years old, right, at this point, and to meet with us and, and kind of show this is what the plan is, this is how it's set up, there's no animosity here, um, whatever. And it's a great family meeting to have. So we do that probably in, in many, I don't know what percentage, but many of our cases we do that as well. I have a question for you that kind of harkens back to a previous comment you said. So it's become more popular to create estate planning documents for yourself online. I understand why. It's easy. You typically don't need an attorney for it's that. Cheaper. It's cheap. Um, why or why not is this a good Yeah, idea? so I've talked to several attorneys about this, and they say there's just inconsistencies in those documents. They have found issues, even though they advertise as being state-specific. Um, they're not entirely, sometimes there's a little uh, caveats that a local attorney would know that maybe uh, some national company would know, and they're very simple. Now, maybe, you know, if you've got very little or no money, it's better than not having anything, okay? I'm not saying everybody needs a, a $500 will or whatever, but uh, just be very careful with that. It's, it's a situation, again, where I've had attorneys look at it and go, well, this right here would not work. This might work. I wouldn't take a chance with this or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be very careful with that. 
So I want to discuss, uh, when we have a few minutes left, another part of the sphere that's often overlooked and not considered, specifically powers of attorney. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss the difference between a healthcare and a financial power of attorney? Yeah, so powers of attorney gives somebody the right to make decisions on your behalf. So the two main ones in estate planning is a financial or also known as a durable power of attorney. It gives uh, your agent or someone uh, that you trust to handle your financial affairs if you cannot make decisions or make good decisions or maybe even don't have the f physical ability to, to go to a bank or something. And so this is something that you can make that is springing, which means it takes effect only when you get incapacitated or you can make it immediate. I recommend that for couples and that way if, if somebody's out of town, the other one can close on a house farm or whatever. So a durable financial power of attorney is money. The other one is called a healthcare directive. It used to be called a, uh, a, a power of attorney for healthcare. Most states have gone to a healthcare directive, which includes several items. Number one, it includes who's making decisions if you can't and you're sick. And when I say sick, I mean you can't communicate, okay? I'm not saying you're, you have the flu and somebody's trying to pull the plug on you, okay? Uh, number two, it gives somebody uh, the right um, or it gives you the ability to give instructions on how you want end of life treatment. Uh, we call it the plug me, unplug me document, uh, feed me, don't feed me, things like that. And you, you won't express your feelings about that so somebody doesn't feel guilty, mm -hmm. right? That's the biggest thing with that. And then the third item is guardianship, who kind of takes over your body in the last days, funeral arrangements, things like that, cremation, burial. Uh, so it's kind of taking possession of that person um, and, and to make sure all the final arrangements are made. So that's the two powers that, that you're able to give somebody else. So a healthcare power of attorney is the same thing as a healthcare directive? Well, a healthcare power of attorney really only has one section that gives somebody the right to make decisions. So they are two separate things? They are two separate. Okay. Used to they were separate documents. Georgia, along with many of the states I'm familiar with, they've combined them into one. That's why they call it the directive now, because gotcha. it's directing all the healthcare uh, well, in that mechanism. You bring up a good point. They're also state specific, correct? Exactly correct. State specific. So think about this. If you have lived six months in Florida and six months in Georgia, you might want to think about two sets of documents. Now, they may or may not work. Not a chance I want to take. I don't mm -hmm. want to have somebody go to court if I'm laying on a table in a coma. Uh, so you might want to think about that. Our attorneys, you know, we talked to them about that and how to set that up. Um, and so it might not hurt to have both. Yeah, I guess if you're living most of the time in Georgia, but you're going to Florida to skydive and scuba dive, then maybe you want to have I think both. you'll, yeah, no, it depends on what you're doing, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we are just about out of time. We've discussed the importance of using an actual estate planning, planning attorney, and if possible, in conjunction with a retirement planner. Mm -hmm. How do they work together? Well, they, they, they totally work together. I mean, you want to make sure titling matches on accounts, beneficiaries match on account to the estate plan. Um, you want to make sure that, um, uh, you know, do you want a, a spouse to be the first beneficiary and the trust next? Is there even a trust there? Uh, anything that has a beneficiary doesn't even go through the will, uh, doesn't go through probate. Uh, so, you know, even on non-qualified accounts, we'll add what's called a TOD, which is a transfer on death. So now it doesn't go through probate. So there's just a lot of mechanisms. And, and, and as we tell people, there's three major circles to estate planning money, which is income, growth, social security, taxes, which is tax planning. We've done shows about that. And then estate planning. And they all kind of join in the middle because one change in one spot affects the other two. Uh, so you really, that's why we try to 
take the holistic approach mm -hmm. and make sure it's all wrapped up and because that way nothing gets missed. One or two holes and it may totally mess up your entire plan. That brings us to the end. Mark, thank you so much. Folks, thank you for joining us again. Uh, this was Retirement Roadmap with Master Plan Retirement Consultants. Remember to check out our website, masterplanretire.com. There you can schedule your complimentary consultation with Mark or give us a call at the office, 770-980-9262. Mark, any parting words? Hey, come see us. We'd love to uh, run some reports for you, kind of give you some guidance, maybe where you need to go. But in the meantime, remember always, plan well and prosper. Thank you. This was Retirement Roadmap Radio with Mark Fricks of Master Plan Retirement Consultants. To schedule a complimentary consultation, go to masterplanretire.com or call 770-980-9262. Thanks for listening and remember, plan well and prosper. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services offered through Master Plan Retirement Consultants, a registered investment advisor in the state of Georgia. Mark Fricks and Master Plan Retirement Consultants are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.